When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome in to Big Red Roundtable, presented by Don Franklin Auto, right here on the Hilltopper Nation Podcast Network. I'm the Hilltopper play-by-play announcer, Randy Lee. We're thrilled to have the voice of the Lady Tops, Brett Williams, as well as Tyler Eaton, who hosts Beyond the Hill with us, reach the Big Red Roundtable Podcast. Each week, we'll go over the biggest news, stories, and games of the past week, as well as what lies ahead for WKU Athletics. We hope to make this not only an enjoyable listen, but an informative and interesting one as we promote those special student-athletes each week and relay many of the stories we are so fortunate to cover in our sportscasting careers. For access to past and future episodes, stay posted to WKSports.com, as well as all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And before we provide this week's episode, let's hear a message from the presenting sponsor of Big Red Roundtable, Don Franklin Auto. They are Kentucky and a proud partner of WKU Athletics. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, we are Kentucky. Winter is upon us, but it's another time for a big red roundtable session to warm things up for you, wherever you may be (laughs) listening. Randy Lee, Brett Williams, Tyler Eaton, cold outdoors, but it's always warm in our studio. Yeah, I told you you were going to start liking it as we went further along. (laughs) I like it a lot now. Uh Brett comes in, you know, oh, it's a great day, but it's a little cold, and I'm thinking, well, not for long. You're you're going to wish it was a little cool. But uh, again, as you mentioned, Randy, we're warming things up in here, and it feels like, even though the regular season for football just ended, things are just warming up again as we got the news that WKU is bowling. We knew that uh, the, the Charlotte win would put them in a position to do so, and now... They're going to one of your favorite places, Mobile, Alabama, the Lending Tree Bowl, day after Christmas to take on Georgia State. I know it's a little different, Randy, because you you may not get to go out and about as much in in Mobile as you would like to, but I I know you've still got to be excited for the team. I'm very excited for the team, and uh, 
you know, going south to a bowl game, that's always great. We've <laughs> yes. really only gone north once, and that was to the first FBS Bowl mm-hmm. we ever to, the Little Caesars Bowl, and half the travel party almost never made it there because of the snow. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy for the team, what they've gone through, and really to be rewarded for a good finish at the end and uh, being able to play all our games. And I, yeah. I think that was uh, maybe a key, too, because when a bowl invites a team, they want them to come. There's already been one team uh, from the Sunbelt Conference has had their bowl game moved because their opponent, after being invited, now can't come right. because of COVID. So, you know, I think we're trustworthy. We've proven that uh, we'll probably sh- we'll show up and uh, COVID won't get us and we'll be ready to go on the 26th day of uh, December. And and uh, I just hope that uh, Winchell's delivers. <laughs> <laughs> Winchell's and, and making sure that as you're driving down, you're going to get a chance to see those row of trees, right? That's where it is in Mobile? Uh, I'm actually going with a team, so I don't know where they're staying. Okay. So uh, now well, if I have my own car, I, get, I know where to go, <laughs> yeah, but okay. I'm, I'm sort of hanging out with them. So I'm at mercy of them, but gotcha. I'm sure we can get someone to pick up food at Winchell's and I'll get some grilled oysters at some point in time when I'm down there. There you go. Perfect way to, to get going as we get ready between Christmas and New sure Year's. A yes. heck of a time for that. And like you said, I mean, what w- just credit to what this team has done throughout this season because this year has been just so erratic, so inconsistent across the board, and yet WKU football was basically a model of consistency. Being able to play week in, week out, the only game that got moved wasn't even on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to be able to not only do that, but get better as it went mm-hmm. along and, and not to cave. I mean, and this is something Todd Stewart brought up yesterday at their press conference. And he said, you know, this team was one and four and in a year like this, no less. I mean, there are a lot of, of lesser teams that, that may have just packed it in. They didn't right do it. Out. They, they kept growing and they're playing their best football of the year you, right now. You, know, you were at the Charlotte game and I, I it sounded like they played their best offensive game for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was an all phase effort in Charlotte that got that done. And I got to talk to Jeremy Darvin, a defensive lineman, earlier this week. And, you know, we've talked about from our perspective how hard we think it would be for athletes right now to focus and do everything they need to do to avoid having any problems with COVID. But to hear him talk about it, he was super realistic about it. He was like, look, you got a lot of young guys that after you win a game, after a game, they want to go out, they want to do their thing. And to have to not be able to do that all year long to get to this point it's hard, and, and and like you both said, this team should be commended for the fact that they were able to accomplish that, but given the recent history for WKU, and Jeremy talked about this too, how he's already been to three bowl games. I mean, this is something that's become a norm. They're not looking to go down there and play. They want to go down there and pick up a win and, and really turn this into the season and take it and flip that momentum into a 2021 year where, again, who knows who we're going to have back? Who knows who we're not? Jeremy said he's coming back, so so we've got that news. But again, and and Randy, you may know a little bit now on Georgia State. I know it's early on, but I think this is certainly a a winnable game for WKU. Not a a terrible matchup by any means. Well, I mean, I think Georgia State's probably was going to be favored. Um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, they certainly play. This year, the Sun Belt was better than Conference USA. Yes. Uh, WKU's uh, non-conference schedule far exceeded what Georgia State had. But in conference, uh, they were the more impressive team. Uh, they're, They're better offensively. They're averaging 33 a game. Uh, they got a redshirt co- freshman quarterback who stepped in and won the job, and he can run and throw it. Uh, balanced offense defensively, but they have not done well against uh, teams that threw the, throw the ball. They gave up almost 300 yards a game passing, mm-hmm. uh, and they allowed 30, uh, see, 31 points a game. So advantage, as we so often said this year, advantage opponents offensively, uh, defensively big advantage for the tops. And mm-hmm. hopefully with the improvement of the last two weeks, Offensively for WKU, maybe they close that gap a little bit 
And uh, but but I, I still anticipate uh, Georgia State's going to be about a touchdown favorite. That that would sort of be uh, what I would think. They were picked fourth in the East Division to the Sun Belt. Any idea who was picked fifth in the Sun Belt East Division? I believe it was Coastal Carolina. Yeah, it Coastal was. Carolina. Mm-hmm. How about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they played Coastal Carolina and, and got beat fifty-one nothing. But they oh. played Louisiana close, and they, that's oh, still yeah. a top twenty-five. Yeah, team. they lost to the cage, uh, the Raging Cajuns in overtime in the opener. Uh, they. Almost beat Arkansas State 59-52. They went to Troy and won. Uh, they only lost by four at Appalachian State. So, you know, mm. th- those are some really good teams. It was a, the best year in the history of the Sun Belt for football. Yeah, certainly. I I didn't know that stat, but that makes sense because, I mean, it felt like Sun Belt got so much conversation nationally mm-hmm. that it has never gotten before. And mm-hmm. and those teams earn it. I mean, credit to them. I think, uh, you know, to your point, Randy, about this, this strength, strength, weakness, weakness thing again. Well, the last two times we talked about that, it worked very well for WKU against Southern Miss and Charlotte. We were talking the same thing, and we know how both of those games went. So I'll certainly take the Hilltoppers given that matchup. Mm-hmm. And because we've got a little time to predict that when we can make our predictions next episode is that. That yep. game comes up day after Christmas. We do have another bit of football news that I want to dive into, and it's something that won't come into effect until 2021, but it's certainly gotten some buzz lately with the announcement that Zach Kitley is coming from Houston Baptist to take over as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for WKU. And for those that don't know, you know why Houston Baptist, you're going to hire somebody from there. They were putting up big numbers offensively against D1 teams, North Texas, Texas Tech this year. He's coming in to bring in this, again, this air raid offense that we've gotten used to. He said in the opening presser that he wants to see this team score 40 points a game next year. Randy, what do you make of this new addition, bringing in a guy that has the stamp of approval from Patrick Mahomes uh, on Twitter? He he coached uh, Patrick out of Texas Tech. So, you know, Texas Tech's been as good as anyone over a period of 20 years, probably throwing the ball, put a lot of guys in the NFL. So uh, I know he's, um, you know, Tyson evidently, you know, thanks very highly of him. And there's going to be some changes in the offensive staff. Uh, We'll probably go to the bowl game without a few of our coaches on that side of the ball. So he's going to come in, bring in his own guys. And, uh, you know, there's a good quarterback down there at Houston Baptist has put his name into the transfer portal. Correct. He put up some big numbers through for over 500 yards against Texas Tech. Wide receiver in the transfer portal, too. So, you know. The wide receiver has an offer. Nothing, no, nothing yeah. in regards to the quarterback as of right now. So I don't know if uh, you know he'll be coming along as well. But you know we have a quarterback coming back next year. PET's coming back. Yep. Um, has not thrown an interception this year. He's getting better. Yep. As the year progressed, and uh, so I think if the young quarterback comes here from Houston Baptist and PET is here, uh, you've got two really good quarterbacks that you can count on. And uh, it's, it's been a few years, I think, since we've been felt if that will be the case, where we felt like we've had two quarterbacks who could be you know that good. So mm-hmm. if, if that happens, uh, that's a situation where we've had a question mark entering the last two seasons. Won't have a question mark next year in that regard. What do you make of the hiring, Brett? Well, Kitley was very explicit when it came to the quarterback position as he was laying out his foundation for what he wants, or his vision, I should say, for what he wants to do here. Like you mentioned, Tyler, he said 40 points per game is the goal, (laughs) and he said it starts with getting the right trigger man back there. Mm -hmm. And so what exactly does that mean? We don't know. I would imagine that even if he did bring in that guy from Houston Baptist, that Piggy would still figure heavily into how this is going to go. First of all, it'd be a competition at that point. Which Tyson likes it that way. He does. Um, but, But having said that, Either way, you, like you said, it's a good problem to have. And certainly, I think the way Kitley was talking, he believes strongly in the weapons that are around this team. 
even and he you know we're talking about the 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 receivers obviously being young having some years on them but from a running back standpoint now you've got this North Dakota State transfer coming in mm-hmm. to add to a pretty stacked room as Who well Kitley really spoke highly he of. did mm-hmm. so I mean this I just have a feeling you know Tyson Helton's talked about it he's an offensive guy He's starting to see things happening, and I think he found the right guy to orchestrate. One other thing I like about the hire, it's tough to recruit Texas kids here because you've got to pass about 50 schools to get here. (laughs) However, Kitley has to have some great connections. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had a few kids from Texas, and they've stayed when they've come here, they've stayed, and they've been good players for us. So uh, hopefully we can, you know, other than we've done okay in junior college kids from Texas, but uh, high school kids like to see if we can't get some more now. Uh, you know, with Kitley coming in from Houston Baptist, and uh, again Patrick Mahomes giving the stamp of approval. I know it was one of the highlights of Brian Falkowski, the WKU football SID. I know it's one of the highlights of his career running the socials for WKU. You'd have a quote tweet coming in from Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Is Patrick so, having a good year this year. Yes, uh, of course. He's <laughs> right in there for MVP once again. Wouldn't mind if he's got an extra year. Can we find one for him? Is everybody? <laughs> if everybody's got the blanket waiver, do you think we could bring Patrick in for for a year? Is that you a possibility? Know, I remember when. Uh, you know, when they drafted him, I'm thinking, well, what did they do him for? They have Alex Smith. <laughs> right. Not yes. that Alex is not a good quarterback, but, you know. What a season it's been for him as we go up oh, on a massive goodness. tangent. I know nice. Brett could talk about that for days. He's comeback player of the year easily. Easily now. I mean, and he was he might have, even if he had just played those couple of snaps against the Rams and just gotten beat around by Aaron Donald <laughs> like he did. But he's, he's turned it into something, and all of a sudden the NFC East is actually interesting. But... That's a story for another day. Before we preview the upcoming WKU men's and women's basketball games this week, let's hear a word from our presenting sponsor, Don Franklin Auto. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, 24 locations in Kentucky, one big family. Well, let's get back on track because as of the time this comes out, we'll have basketball tonight inside Diddle Arena, the WKU women's basketball team welcoming Bellarmine, now Division One Bellarmine. Six o'clock tip in that one. Brett, you'll be on the call at 5.30. You can listen on ESPN Radio 102.7. Believe we'll also have uh, the setup on Facebook Live as well that you'll be able to watch. You can tune in on the WKU Athletics Facebook page. WKU 0-3 on the season coming off a a really tough loss at Arkansas Little Rock on Sunday. It was a 16-point differential. Another game for this team that it feels like was closer than that margin indicates Brett, as you dive into this Bellarmine game, again, this young team looking for their first one of the season against the Bellarmine squad, first-year D1, they've got a lot to prove as well. Yeah, they do. This, these are two teams that desperately need a win mm-hmm. uh, just to prove it to themselves, I think, because obviously Bellarmine's over there trying to say, hey, we belong in D1, and it did not go well for them in their D1 opener Monday night. Correct. Ball State, a team that the Lady Toppers almost beat, you were on the call for that one, went into Louisville and nearly put up 100 and didn't allow 50. Yeah. It was it was not Whoa. a pretty game. Oh, yeah. Not a pretty game whatsoever. Now, Bellarmine did have its two best players in top two returning scorers from last year. Not available in that game. Unsure if they're going to go tonight against the tops. And that would certainly help WKU if they don't. But I think this is a great chance for the Lady Toppers to come out and, and prove something that they learned against Little Rock, which in talking with both Tori Hunter and Selma Kulo after the fact, that's understanding what it takes to be physical on the glass in college basketball. Both of them getting their first official action. One is a true freshman, one is a red shirt, but they both told me, hey, we see it now. Kristen Vorn's owned the glass at Little Rock, and I guarantee you both Selma and Tori, as well as the rest of the Lady Toppers, they have a certain spark going on right now that says we're not going to let that happen anymore, and certainly tomorrow night is a good matchup for them to go exploit that. Randy, you can attest to this because you've been around teams that have young players. Mm-hmm. For, for a squad like 
this Lady Tomper team that has seven freshmen, six of them true freshmen, the biggest adjustment comes in the fact that they have to learn that there's an entirely different physicality to the college game. And you have to master the fundamentals because if you're out of position, you can't just out jump everybody like you could in sure. high school. And, and and that's a learning process this team is going to have to go through the hard way, unfortunately. And you know, to me, they have to find some games they can win early. And this apparently is one of them. And that's where they got to start feeling their oats and getting some, uh, uh, you know, some confidence. And, you know, I know uh, the score was, the, the game was closer than the score would indicate at Little Rock and had a chance to win a ball state. But until you get a couple of wins, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, I think it goes just a, a, a world's, a, a, a world to help a, a young team, even more than a veteran team. Because if you don't start winning when you're young, you have a lot of question marks and, you know, oh my good, you know, what's this gear going to be like? And, and I just think it's a key to get some wins here for them. Yeah, an opportunity now. You've got five straight inside Diddle Arena, three straight to end non-conference play at home. You'd like to string together if you can. You'd like to string together three if you could, if you're WKU. I think Coach Collins would certainly be happy by starting it out tonight with a win, however it comes. Brett, what's the biggest key tonight for WKU? I know if I asked Coach Collins, he'd probably tell me he just wants to see his team box out. Yeah. Uh, but but what do you think is the biggest thing that you're looking for tonight from WKU? I mean, I, I honestly think it is that because at the end of the day, the, the defense has looked really good for mm-hmm. a young team. And, and and for all the conversation last year about defense has to be better, right? Defense first, defense first. That was everything. I asked Coach Collins about that on our coaches show on Monday night. He said, you know, we're, we're there. We're already better defensively than we were all of last season. And I right. think that speaks volumes. The difference is you've got to be able to end those possessions with a defensive rebound. And as he put it, is that uh, that flight from Egypt hasn't made its way. Over here. I mean, this is this is this is fair, but I I believe in the posts that are there, and I believe that this team once it gets that little piece, it'll start believing because at that point the points will will come. I mean, at that point, like Coach said, if you're in a dogfight, if you're in a slugfest. The points will eventually come as long as you're able to control possession, be able to get those rebounds. I think if they do that, they'll be fine. I also believe that the shooting will come back. Obviously, shooting from downtown has been uh, atrocious thus far in Mm -hmm. early goings, but now you've got a chance to be at home for five games in a row where they always shoot better, and more importantly, playing so many games in a row because they've been playing a football schedule. They one game a week for the last three (laughs) weeks. Now you get three in six days. That's a chance to really get in rhythm. Well, we we mentioned post-play and the importance of it so let's now transition to a team that has had some pretty darn good post play from one Charles Bassey that is now already a two-time Conference USA Player of the Week this season had a career day on a win in a win Thursday against Gardner Webb a game that was closer perhaps than some of us thought it would be 86 to 84 win for WKU then on Sunday another good game from Charles 68 65 the tops win over a really good Rhode Island team a Rhode Island team that is better than their record would indicate up to this point so far this season. Randy, a couple of Tums tossers this past week for you. What did you take away from those two wins for WKU? First of all, they were very exciting to watch. And uh, I, I, for the people who were able to go to the game, um, watch it on TV, listen to the radio, they had a couple beauties. And, uh, you know, it makes it better that we won. But uh, we may not find two more exciting games that we that we play the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Gardner-Webb you know, played really well. They shot lights out. Yes. Rhode Island is great. I hope they, you know, somehow get that series to continue because I like going to Newport first of all, <laughs> and uh, you know that was an overtime game over there. It was yes. a great game, and this was a great game over here, decided by three points. So why not keep it up? Why I'd like to go back to the, you know, the the, um, uh, the tennis hall of fame again. Sometime, <laughs> nice. so. But Charles has exceeded what I thought he would be this year. Um, you know, with the exception maybe of a half year and a half there, where he sort of flowed around the perimeter. I thought a little bit too mm-hmm. much. 
He has been exceptional right now. Now, we've played more games than a lot of teams, but he leads the nation in total dunks, total rebounds. Total uh, blocks. Total blocks. I mean, uh, he's averaging uh, 3.4 blocks a game. The all-time record since block shots were kept, which started in the late 70s, for a career is 2.7. Now, I don't know an individual season. I haven't figured that up yet, but uh, Chris Marcus and L. Grace Wilborn each averaged 2.7 blocks for the career. Um, he entered the year at 2.1. He's up to about 2.4 now. He's averaging 3.6 wow. blocks now. Mm. And what I'm really impressed with, he'll block a shot on one end or grab the rebound on the other. His outlet passes are quick and crisp. Yes. We're able to run now. And a lot of times, not only does he beat his defender down, he beats a lot of other guys down and gets layups or tip-ins or baskets because of his pure hustle. And he made probably the, the best play I've ever seen since I've been here. Uh, we are tied against Rhode Island. He's got the ball, pretty good position, back to the basket, sort of lost the dribble. I'm thinking, well, the Rams going to scoop it up and take off and score. He dives to the floor head first in the lane, grabs it, turns over on his left hip, throws the pass left wing to Rawls, who I think took one dribble and shot it and missed it, and Bassey, from about five feet away, tipped it in. Yeah. So we go up two with 18 seconds left. Hmm. Hustle twice to dive on the floor and then to get back up and tip it in. It was an incredible play, and and Charles says uh, he, he's I, I can't imagine with the exception of the center at Iowa, uh, mm-hmm. another center in America who's playing better than him right now. Yeah, and to, just to speak on that, I know coming into the season, I like to keep up with the NBA draft boards and such, and and I had seen Charles floating around maybe mid forties, early fifties in that range. After last season, he had moved out of everybody's top sixty. He's into the top twenty five now. They've got him listed in almost every draft circle as the second best center in terms of a draft prospect uh, moving into the NBA draft. And that's only going to go up as the season continues. If he plays and he, like this. If he yes. continues to stay healthy and he plays the level that he's at, it's, it's only going to continue to improve. But one thing I want to ask you about, Randy, is the, the three-point shooting from the opponents that you mentioned. Yes. And you talked to Rick about it. I got to hear this conversation on the coach's show. And he didn't really sound con- concerned. He seemed as though he, he felt like that was an issue that was going to go away. He felt like some of it was maybe caused from the press uh, that they were running that would give up some open looks. But it feels like more often than not, Rhode Island didn't shoot very well from three. But and they're not a good shooter. Correct. They shot their average. Gardner-Webb shot the lights out. Yes. We've seen it happen time after time. Yeah. How do you feel about that three-point defense well, from WK? Are you not concerned no, about it? Do you share the same stances? Well, quite frankly, I'm scared to death of it. I think <laughs> I think I think it's going to cost us a couple of games this year, a couple of wins this year in conference play. Um, you know, we're not closing out on shooters very well. Uh, we have a couple players who don't get their hands up. Uh, you know, and I mean, it, to me, it's it's just frustrating uh, to see so many open, you know, shots from the perimeter when you have. You don't want to get beat off the dribble, okay? Now, that happened numerous times against Gardner-Webb. Mm-hmm. However, we've got a great shot blocker back there. So, man, yeah, I, I, I like to see him rather funnel toward him. Right. Then, then if you're with the team with good shooters to hit open three. So, to me, that is my biggest concern on this team as of right now, the two things. That's number one. Maybe that's one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my other concern is, um, you know, we need to get Carson back. I'm not saying he's he's not going to average 14 points and eight rebounds a game like he right. did last year because Charles is not playing. Right. So you know he's going to not score as many points, not get his rebounds, but he's he's got to be able to play better because we need him to play big when the conference season rolls around in Charlotte in a couple of weeks. Well, I thought it was really interesting uh, when you and Rick started to talk about that on Monday night because uh, you brought up the fact that 
uh, Carson, uh, or I'm not, honestly, I don't quite remember offhand whether it was you or Rick that brought it up, but but the whole point about Carson being a very routine-based yeah, player. Rick, 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 yeah, Rick brought it up. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, but just, again, uh, kind of like what we were talking about on the women's side, I mean, the men have not been able to get necessarily in as much of a rhythm. They, yeah. they have had a little bit more than the women, but because of those bubble environments, kind of threw some things off. So hopefully as things normalize a little bit here, I, I say that with some hesitation because what is normal these days, but you would hope that that would get Carson yeah. back into sync. He mentioned that he has, you know, some guys, I'm not saying he's gained weight, but some guys uh, have a body structure where, I mean, they, they've got to do, you know, they got to be in the gym and they've got to run and lift weights. And, and some other guys can like miss, you know, not do it as much and it, it doesn't happen. Right. But, you know, George Fant was like that. Uh, and now George gained weight. Um, you know, we, we, we'd be on a Thanksgiving break and he'd come back and he'd, he'd gain 15 pounds in like five days. But I, I don't think Carson has that problem. But but Rick seems to feel that because he's out of his routine, um, it, it's affected his body and his explosion and things of that magnitude. And, you know, the other night against Gardner-Webb, he took eight shots and had four of them blocked. I don't care who you are. If you get half your shots blocked in the game, it's going to affect you a little right. bit. Well, in a big test coming up now on Saturday, another newly scheduled game. Really, I shouldn't say another because uh, the last one was just a situation of the MVSU game being moved up. Then we get Gardner-Webb thrown in and... Now here we are, Saturday, the trip to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Uh, currently, as the time that we record this, they're 3-2, and two, Randy. I'm sure you'd like this update at the moment. Down 76-73 to 73 on Furman at home right now. That oh game with 2.48 left uh, in the second half as we're recording the podcast at the moment. So they could be 3-3. Three and three, They could be 4-2 come Saturday. Well, th- that would be a shocking loss. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll ask you now, Randy, as you've been able to, to look into that yeah. matchup. I, before we started recording, I do think you think very highly of this Alabama squad. What do you, you make of it? Well, they, they're a team that more than half their shots are three-pointers. So they spread the court. Their coach came from Buffalo. You know, Buffalo had a nice run. He's the head coach there. Yes. Alabama wanted to change their style. So they shoot threes. They probably will shoot more threes. Northern Iowa, in regards to the number of threes they shoot. He wants all five players, the Alabama coach, to be able to shoot threes. So they're going to spread the court, and we're going to have to defend the three. And we can't give up 23s against Alabama. Right. Just can't do it. Now, how... I don't know how good they're going to be inside defensively. So to me, the key is getting Charles Carson, you know, drive it, get it inside, get to the free throw line. Um, you know, Alabama's numbers this year, you know, they're shooting only 30% from three. Now they shoot a ton of threes. Yes. But their their shooting percentage has not been great. Uh, and, you know, they're not rebounding great as well. Now they played Stanford, UNLV, Providence, and Clemson. That's a pretty tough schedule yes. right there. <laughs> So, um, and now Furman, so yeah. <laughs> throw that in there. It, it's a team that's going to be quick uh, with a lot of shooters, and I think we need to be physical and get the ball inside and let Charles uh, dominate. Are you all going to get to make the trip down to Alabama, or is that another uh, remote cause for you guys? You know, um, I understand that the print media are going. Mm-hmm. No radio. Really? So apparently when the newspaper writers cover – uh, they don't breathe as much or, or spit as much as they talk. So well, I um, guess that's understandable. That's understandable. <laughs> My only thinking is uh, it's an older arena, so I'm sure they're unable to put us up top, maybe mm. with Ethernets and all this or that. Probably the I'm only assuming I've never been in the arena, but it's old. I'm assuming most of the broadcast accessibility is probably close to the quarter on the court. So we'll be at Diddle in our comfortable chairs. <laughs> yes. Um, 
broadcasting the game from what now I know is an immovable uh, camera. We don't get the TV feed. We get this feed from a camera that doesn't move left or right. Really? And we try to do as good of a job as we can of seeing the court. But uh, I, you know, I didn't know we were missing anything in the tournament in South Dakota until they got home. And they were telling stories of, well, I didn't see any of that. <laughs> right, yeah. Because you, you couldn't see the benches. You barely saw the scores table. I couldn't see really behind the baseline. So a lot of things that happened, especially in the West Virginia game, mm-hmm. when Charles went out with the injury and Tavion was hurt, I was wondering why they weren't in the game. <laughs> and I mentioned that a couple times to Hal. What, you know, when do you think we're going to bring him back? Right. I had no idea. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, uh, the grand scope of things, that's not that important to you know, to the uh, – whatever one's going through, but it, it is a different uh, kind of a deal to broadcast a game when you can't see right. the entire I, court. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that being at Little Rock this weekend. I mean, as of now, the plan is that I probably will not be doing a lot of traveling in conference play, so I'm going to have to get used to the remote setup. And there was a point where I started telling an anecdote about the way they had stylized their scoreboard, how they typed toppers instead of WKU, and I liked how it was Trojans and toppers. And I, I, I thought as I was telling that story, I'm thinking, shoot, there's going to be some conference games this season <laughs> where I won't be able to, to comment on something like that. But as you said, it, it's just it's 2020. Yeah. It's the way it is. I, I think you know what I always remember is there's so many not only Power Five broadcasters but professional team broadcasters who are doing this. Yeah. Dave Pash, perhaps the best story I've heard of all this. Arizona Cardinals broadcaster, in addition to ESPN, he was calling the Cardinals-Giants game remotely. That was in the Meadowlands. He was in State Farm Stadium in Glendale looking at the monitor, calling this game. Behind him, the Washington football team and the 49ers were playing that game because, of course, the 49ers (laughs) got kicked out of Santa Clara. Right. And so he he tweeted out, he said, there's a game going on behind me in my stadium that I'm not calling, and I'm calling a game halfway across the country on a monitor. Yeah, did that happen in the Major League Baseball playoffs, too? I think it it was in San Diego, and uh, San Diego was not playing in their park. They were somewhere else, and and the – or maybe it may have been LA and they were oh, annou- yeah, during the, the playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. were announcing it. the games are being played at Dodger Stadium or Petco, one or the other. And the announcer was not able to watch the game because his team wasn't playing at that stadium. Right. Mm-hmm. His team was playing somewhere else across the country. So that game's going on on his field that he's sitting in the stadium at. And, you know, he's broadcasting yep. a game on a monitor that's, you know, 2,000 miles away. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, but, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, we would have not had broadcast, or, right? Right. Because this, well, maybe they would have relented and gone. Mm-hmm. But you know, we didn't have this option five, six, seven years ago. You could have done it, yeah, like this. And again, if anybody can adapt to it, you and Hal, I know, can handle it. Brett can do it as well. Brett's got a busy week. We just talked about the Bellman matchup, but mm-hmm. Mercer on Friday, Zamford on Monday. So by the time we're back again, Brett will have called three games this past week. Randy, you'll have called two, so one less than Brett. But he's got me. He, he's got you beat in that <laughs> regard. So we're hoping to come back and get to talk about five wins between basketball, and we'll have a bowl game to preview just as we wanted yeah, to get to you do know, as I, well. I just got done my Christmas shopping, so I guess I'm happy I'm going to the Lending Tree Bowl. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Maybe I get some money when I get down there. <laughs> well, it will Finally, be, I'm going there. Yes, the day after Christmas you'll be making the trip. That'll be a fun one. We'll talk about it a ton in our Next edition coming up, I guess it'll be a week and a day from when this and this one releases. We'll work out all the details. Maybe the next one comes out on Christmas Eve. But with that being said, Randy, I'll let you wrap us up. So I don't have to wish everyone a Merry Christmas? Not yet. yet. We'll, we'll, we'll have an episode next week. Right. At some day of the week, it will come out. All right. Good luck this week. Likewise. All right. Hopefully you find some, 
some outside shooting, some rebounding. <laughs> yep. Hopefully, you find the defense for that outside shooting. Yeah, that would be nice. That's a uh, look at our Big Red Round Table brought to you by Don Franklin Auto. They are Kentucky. They are the official sponsor of our show, and they're a proud sponsor of WKU Athletics. So, for Brett and Tyler, I'm Randy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Big Red Roundtable here on the Hilltopper Nation Podcast Network. For updates on future episodes, as well as access to past editions, visit wkusports.com slash podcast, as well as all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Before we wrap it up, here's one more word from our presenting sponsor and proud partner of WKU Athletics, Don Franklin Auto. Over 5,000 new and pre-owned vehicles to choose from at DonFranklinAuto.com. We'll be back next week with more analysis, discussion, and predictions here on the Big Red Roundtable presented by Don Franklin Auto on the Hilltopper Nation Podcast Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.